Welcome back, everyone, to another Founded on Christ podcast. I thank everybody who participates uh, with this podcast in any way, whether it's listening, sharing, uh, thinking about sending anything in. Uh, I appreciate the thoughts and intents uh, of your heart in regards to this podcast. As a reminder, the email address is foundedonchristpodcast at gmail.com where you can send in uh, requests, testimonies, and all that jazz. Um, Moving on to today, I want to start out by reading Psalm 46. It's not a long chapter. But um, I want to read it. And there is, if anyone's reading along, they'll notice there is an a word. It's called Salah, S-E-L-A-H, in this psalm. And what that is, uh, though it is a, a word, I guess you could say it's a word to be read. It's actually more like direction while reading this psalm as to... Uh, what to do? Almost like when you're re- uh, singing a hymn, and it has you know the the uh, the prompt at the top, like respectfully or reverently or with joy or with gusto or whatever it is. Uh, this word salah means to pause and reflect. And so, I'm instead of reading the word, I am going to pause and let whatever preceded it sink in, as is the the intended response, or I guess the intended purpose is what I meant to say, uh, for this Psalm. So Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very pleasant help in trouble. Therefore, therefore we will not fear though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake and the swelling thereof. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms removed, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. All right, so uh, maybe you caught the theme. If not, you can go back and reread it and think about it a little bit yourself. But one something that has been impressed upon my soul this week is the concept of being still and knowing that God is God. Um, this kind of stems from an exercise that someone... Uh, had me do once where uh, we knelt down to pray and this person said, before you say any words, sit down or, you know, kneel down 
and open up your heart and your mind to your Father in heaven. Visualize being with him in whatever way seems appropriate to you, whichever way uh, helps you draw near to him. You know, whether, whether that's sitting on, you know, a park bench next to him, whether that's hiking the mountains together, whether that is kneeling down before him, whether that is laying prostrate and kissing his feet, whether that is holding him tight in an embrace, uh, uh, <laughs> to go along with that, uh, you know, just recently I was watching, uh, those reunion videos of soldiers that come across, you know, come back from long tours and meet with their children and those embraces. Uh, maybe you use that as part of it. But the important part is that you are taking time to be still and connect with Heavenly Father. And then don't, don't say anything. Don't put any words in your mind or in your, in your mouth until you feel inspired by the Holy Spirit to do so. And I found through doing this multiple times since I was first given the challenge that it is one of the best ways for me to reconnect with Father and my Savior, uh, especially when I feel like I am barriered from them somehow. Maybe, you know, I've used the term, I feel like I was underwater spiritually <laughs> where it was, I was just separated. There was, there was something keeping me from heavenly father. I wasn't receiving answers to prayers. I wasn't feeling inspiration. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling the spirit strongly. And in doing this, uh, it usually helps me break through that cloud and start to reconnect with Heavenly Father and prime the pump, so to speak, in getting answers, in feeling of Heavenly Father's love for me and, and moving forward. And I think this is, this is critical to our journey as disciples of Christ. If we want to adequately follow the doctrine of Christ, if we want to adequately get answers to prayers, be able to act on them and have the confidence in knowing that that's what Heavenly Father wants you to do and move forward in that, we need to take time to be holy, quote unquote, you know, so to speak. We need to take time to separate ourselves from the world, to find our own sacred groves, as it were, and connect with Heavenly Father and receive answers receive strength and grace. And I have a few examples from the scriptures that I want to go over uh, before I, you know, I get to the end here. So one of the first ones that came to mind uh, was with Enos. And this actually, this became a term between uh, my little, our little group before who's contributed on this podcast before we talked about having an Enos moment. Um, and it kind of stems from this. And let's see. Going Honestly, I'm just going to read first one and probably read for a little bit and go from there. But uh, Behold, it came to pass that I, Enos, knowing my father, he was a just man, for he taught me in his language and also in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and blessed be the name of my God for it. And let me just say here, a lot of, there's, sometimes there's this mistaken idea that Enos maybe was a wicked man 
to some degree for some reason, maybe because he only has a small little section of the book here. But I think if you read between the lines here, you realize that he actually was a righteous man who lived and followed the word of the Lord. And just because, as he'll say here in a minute, that he was repenting of sins does not mean that he was guilty of any malignant or hardcore sins. It was the kind of repentance that all of us should go through when we try to connect with heaven. <clears throat> Verse 2, And I will tell you of the wrestle which I had before God before I received a remission of my sins. Behold, I went to hunt beasts in the forest, and the words which I had often heard my father speak concerning eternal life and the joy of the saints sunk deep into my heart, and my soul hungered, and I kneeled down before my maker, and I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication. I love that word, supplication, for my own soul. And all the day long did I cry unto him, yea, and when all the night and when the night came, I did still raise my voice high and reach into the heavens. And, you know, you continue with his experience. He has a wonderful, poignant experience with Father where he receives an endowment of power. And I believe uh, the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost is, is laid upon him at this point. But I think if you read that, you understand that he took time. He was thinking. Obviously, he was alone out hunting beasts. So that helped. But because he was alone, he was able to take time to be still and connect with Heavenly Father. He was able to think about these things and ponder them in his heart. And as he did that, he felt the need to cry out to Heavenly Father. And it says that he cried out in mighty prayer and supplication all day long and into the night. But really, I wonder how how much of that prayer did he actually say? You know, how much, that's a bad way of saying it. How much of that prayer was him talking, I guess is what I want to say. Did you ever think about maybe how much of that prayer was just him sitting there, connecting with Heavenly Father, listening, feeling of the Spirit, being given the words from the Spirit on what he should say? Going to another experience. This one is Alma, and this is kind of a little different, but uh, this is Alma the Younger, and he's recounting to his son uh, the experience he had when the angel uh, struck him dumb, right? When he, uh, I would say that he was forced into some, some time to be holy. <laughs> he was, uh, be, well, I'll read it here in a second, but I think there is an application here, uh, as you'll find where Alma was actually, because of his, uh, I would say the the righteousness that he showed before this life and because of the, uh, the caring and love of his parents, he was given a little extra added help from the Lord in time to be quiet and to supplicate to the Lord. He was kind of forced into that physically, but let's see, going to Alma 36, uh, verse 16. And now for three days and for three nights, I was racked even with the pains of a damned soul. And it came to pass that I I was thus racked with torment while I was harrowed up by the memory of my many sins. Behold, I remembered also to have have heard my father prophesy unto the people concerning the coming of one Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to atone for the sins of the world. Now as my mind caught hold upon this thought, I cried within my heart, O Jesus, thou Son of God, have mercy on me, who am in the gall of bitterness and am encircled about by the everlasting chains of death. 
And now, behold, when I thought this, I could remember my pains no more. Yet I was hollowed up by the memory of my sins no more. And oh, and what joy and what marvelous light I did behold. Yea, my soul was filled with joy, as exceeding was my pain. So he spent a good portion of that time after the angel basically comes and says, repent, you're going to be destroyed. And that it slices him, you know, the word of God slicing you know, joint and marrow, it hits him right dead center, and that causes such uh, traumatic spiritual disassociation for him that he goes into this this coma where he has lots of time to ponder and think and to supplicate, right? Even if sometimes supplication is about recognizing our own weaknesses and and recognizing the gulf that is between us and the Lord, and in so doing, we, we are, we're brought to a knowledge of our Savior and we cry out to him. I'm thinking of uh, Lehi's dream, even though I don't have that ready at hand. But when he has his vision, he's led by the man in the white robe into the wilderness. And he, for a space of time, he's lost. He has time to be still and to think. And then he supplicates to the Lord, cries out to the Savior, similar to what Alma did here. And he is then, you know, redeemed from that. He's, he's pulled from that. And I, those, those moments, I don't think really happen unless we have opportunity to be still and to think and to supplicate to the Lord. Uh, going along with this theme, Joseph Smith history, uh, verse 29, in consequence of these things, and he's talking about, you know, just these, uh, I'm going to say this is similar to Enos here, where he's had some lighthearted sins that he recognizes as not befitting a man or a boy, I guess, who has beheld the face of God and the uh, the face of the father and the son it says in consequence of these things, I often felt condemned for my weakness and imperfections when on the evening of the above mentioned 21st of September, after I retired to my bed for the night, I betook myself to prayer and supplication to almighty God for forgiveness of my sins and follies. And also for a manifestation to me that I might know of my state and standing before him. For I had full confidence in obtaining a divine man, man, manifestation as I previously had had one. And those that remember Joseph Smith history, he goes from here and he has Moroni come visit him throughout the night three times. And uh, I will say, if you look at what is being quoted to Joseph from Moroni, how it is prophecies of the end time, and quite frankly, uh, the end time servant and the the role that will be played, honestly, for us in the future. There's uh, there's some interesting tie-ins there if you look into that. Um, moving forward to another experience, this is uh, Nephi, and this is the Nephi who is who is given the sealing power to seal up the heavens and to cause the war to break it. He's the one who uh, is praying on the tower and people stop by and ask what's going on. Why is he praying in such a way? And he foretells of the chief judge's murder and how it's his brother. He you know, gives him all the events. And after that experience where the gift of prophecy, the fruit of being a prophet is so evident in Nephi, 
the people still don't latch on to that. He, he goes away grieved. Uh, chapter 10, he has this moment, verses one, verse 1 through 2. Well, I'll keep going. It says, And it came to pass that there arose a division among the people, insomuch that they divided hither and thither and went their ways, leaving Nephi alone as he was standing in the midst of them. This is like right after the experience with the chief judge. And it came to pass that Nephi went his way toward his own house and pondered upon the things which the Lord had shown him. I love that he, you know, he's, for me, I I connect with this. For me, oftentimes my best moments of connecting with Heavenly Father were through walking and praying. And anyone who thinks that you can't pray and walk, uh, that's a false statement. <laughs> I, I, some of the longest prayers I've ever had were in consequence of me taking the time to walk and pray as I did. And it came to pass as he was po- thus pondering, being much cast down because of the wickedness of the people of the Nephites, their secret words of darkness, their murderings, their plunderings, and all manner of iniquities. It came to pass that he was thus pondering in his heart. Behold, a voice came unto him saying, Blessed art thou, Nephi, for those things which thou hast done. For I have beheld that thou, was, how thou hast with unweariness declared the word which I have given unto thee, unto this people. And thou hast not feared them, and hast not sought thine own life, but hast sought my will, and to keep my commandments. I, I really like this particular, uh, and the ones I'm going to read here in a second, uh, experience, because these these times of pondering, of being still, of separating from the world and connecting with Heavenly Father on a personal level, connecting with His grace, often precede some of the greatest endowments of power of knowledge to the people in the Scriptures. And then if we want to not receive lightly, or sorry, take lightly the things which we have received, I think it is very important for us to see and read these experiences, dissect them, understand why they happened, what was going on, what preceded them, how they worked forward. And so for me, as I've done that, these experiences, I'm noticing a pattern here that these people have taken time to be still, ponder, and supplicate unto Heavenly Father. And because he does that, it is soon after that, like literally that chapter, where he is given the sealing power because heavenly father knows that he can trust Nephi with whatever, with that power and so much that whatever he asks will be in accordance with heavenly father. So, uh, I want to get close to wrapping up here, but I want to talk about Nephi because I, uh, I feel like for a lot of us, the experience that Nephi has of the the long vision <laughs> that he gets early on in first nephi i feel like is a, where a lot of us are at spiritually that is the next big step that a we should be going for and a lot of us you know be a lot of us hope for to have and so in a little bit of preparation for this in second nephi chapter 2 uh this is um Nephi and Laman and Lemuel, they're given kind of the experience of their father about coming out into the wilderness. And I love this because it shows an aspect of, of this pondering and supplicating to Heavenly Father, how this can work. 
First uh, Nephi chapter 2, verse 16. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having great desires to know of the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me, and did soften my heart, and I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father, wherefore I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. I'm going to back up a little bit and emphasize something here. I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me, and did soften my heart. Do you need to soften something that wasn't hard? Now, this is going back to last week a little bit with the hardened heart, but this is this is right after, you know, Lehi dwelt in a tent. I think what Nephi is saying here a little bit is, hey, I wasn't fully on board with what Father was doing. You know, I wasn't sure that we were doing what we should be doing. I was kind of with Laman and Lemuel thinking, hey, these were some righteous men back in Jerusalem. Why are we leaving? And so he, having a moment, separates from his brethren, separates from his father, separates from, uh, you know, which would be considered the world, I guess, for them, because they've already left Babylon at this point. But, uh, and he cries out to the Lord, which when I think of crying out to the Lord, pondering and supplication, all those things, I kind of get this, this combination of taking time to be still, to be holy and connect with Heavenly Father. And because he does that, his heart is softened. And like he says, I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. Heavenly Father softened his heart. He was able to continue on. Now, this is important because as we get farther down, 1 Nephi chapter 11, verse 1. So this, I want you to keep what just, we just read in mind because that's going to be important for this. For it came to pass after I desired to know the things that my father had seen and believed and this is talking about the, sorry, right after the vision of tree of life and believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me as I sat pondering in my heart, I was caught away in the spirit of the Lord, yea, into an exceedingly high mountain, which I never had before seen upon which I had never before set my foot. And the vision commences from here. He, he gets visited by angelic people asking questions. He's able to uh, gain information and knowledge about Christ. And, uh, he comes back stronger. He's endowed with power and strength, but the preparation of before he supplicated unto God, he softened his heart. He didn't rebel that prepared him so that when Nephi, it was a stepping stone, right? Line upon line, a stepping stone. So that when Lehi was in, then able to share with them his experience of being taught in a dream, having this vision, recognizing the holy significance of it. Nephi was able to hear that. His heart, because it had previously been softened, he was able to ponder those things, take it into his heart. And the next several chapters are full of the wonderful grand visions and understandings and knowledge and light and truth that Heavenly Father gave him. So, what to do with this? Well, I gave some examples at the beginning, but I'm realizing that progression, ascension, uh, in into what Heavenly Father wants us to be, into what Heavenly Father is exciting, excited for us to become, in facilitating His work and His glory to bring a, bring a, about the immortality and the eternal life of us, 
there is a required element of us having a quote unquote enus moment moments too. I would say, as you can see here, this is more than one for Nephi. So I challenge you, anyone who's listening this week, make a plan. Okay. Select a day, a day that you know, you can do this to set aside some time to be holy. That could mean walking, you know, out into the woods. Maybe you just drive out into the middle of nowhere. You know, if walking is a hard thing, uh, go, uh, maybe you have a home in which you can do this, where you can find a quiet space for yourself in your house, but go supplicate unto the Lord. If you want to try just connecting before saying anything, but then be willing to ask the hard questions be willing to ponder the deep things in your heart and your mind. If you have family members you're concerned about, if you have aspects of truth and knowledge that you want to understand better, maybe this is a good opportunity to look in, quote unquote, the mirror and ask Heavenly Father if the things you know are accurate. To ask him if the foundations that your faith is set upon are secure. To ask him what it is he wants you to do next. To supplicate unto him and say, Heavenly Father, I desire to have these same experiences that are shown to me in the Book of Mormon. I know that that's not by accident that they are placed there for us to read. I want to have these experiences. What do I yet lack that I may have this, these experiences covenant with him that you're ready to, to do whatever it is that he wants you to do in order to receive them. Tell him that you're ready for the next experience, that it can start right now. As soon as he sees fit, ask him what it is that you still need to sacrifice. Ask him what good things are you not doing? Pray to him on behalf of those you love, who you're concerned about. Pray to him to know if they're on the right, wrong path or right path. All of us are beggars before Christ. All of us are fumbling along the path, trying to hold on to the, the iron rod right? The word of God, which is both the scriptures and the personal direction received through the spirit. I, I know that heavenly father does not leave those prayers unanswered. And I know <laughs> from my own experience, oftentimes the hard part is getting to the place of asking those questions. Cause I recognize that I'm going to get answers and I will be accountable for those answers and I'll have to act and I'm nervous. I'm a little scared as to what those, those answers and those directions might be. But despite the, the, the challenge of the way, um, I promise that it's doable. And I have found through my own experience that even though question, you know, these, these times where I connect with Heavenly Father and I'm told poignant things of, of repentance and of change and of moving forward, 
I often receive with them the endowment of strength and grace to feel that those things are within my reach. To feel as though I am empowered by him to do those things. I believe that that's what will happen for each of us. Please take the time to do this. This week, make a plan. Make it happen. Take time to be holy. Whatever preparations you need to do, fasting, setting in order your own house, you know, quote-unquote, spiritually, physically, whatever it is you need to do, take time to do it. And and if you can, make this a regular thing. I'm still working on that. Uh, I've been able to have some of these moments, but they have been hard to, to arrange. And, uh, that is one aspect of repentance that I'm working on, but I, I give my witness that they are worth the effort, that they are required for the ascension that we desire. They are an important aspect of seeking his face continually. And I say these things with the joy in my heart for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.